Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you um, for your grace, for your mercies that you renew each and every morning. We thank you, Lord, for bringing us again together this evening to praise and worship you, Lord. Um, Lord, as we gather again together, I pray that our hearts, our minds will be focused on you, that our praise, Lord, will give you glory and everything that, Lord, we do um, to be Christ-centered. Um, Lord, I pray um, for those who couldn't be with us, Lord, this evening, uh, perhaps because of uh, illness or recovering or going through uh, challenges, Lord, I pray that you will be with them. God, I pray that um, they would uh, be comforted by, by your love. Uh, God, they would always know that you are always there um, with them. And uh, Lord, we pray for the testimony that we'll hear this evening, um, that we'll be edified by it, encouraged as we um, hear how you transformed and forgave um, Robin. Lord, we, we surrender the rest of our time together into your hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, Robin, please um, finish what you're reading and come up and join me on stage. So I've known Robin now for, I suppose, a number of years, and he's been a very faithful attender at the home group that I attend. And he's been involved in all sorts of events and programs, aimed to discuss with people important questions such as the role of faith, Christianity, science, and the Bible. And Robin has done that particularly with people who are new to Northern Ireland, whether they're students or have come to live or work from a different part of the world. Robin's story tonight is a little bit different in some ways to those of Harry, Laura, and Shriath we've heard the past three weeks, because these folk became Christians in their teens or when they were older, and they'd really no prior Christian background, so their entrance into the Christian faith and, if you like, change in their lifestyle was, was really quite, if you like, sudden and uh, dramatic. So Robin's a wee bit different. So I understand, Robin, you and your family were, were always pretty religious then. Is that right? Um, yes, that's right. Although, Gareth, I, I, I would like to, first of all, just extend an apology. Some people may have come expecting to hear Robert Abraham tonight and uh, if they booked their tickets early. So um, <laughs> apologies. I sympathise with those folks who so apologies for that. I'm, I will change the event bright page. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, no, that's right. My folks were believers, and so I was brought up uh, to come along to the predecessor of this church, the, the Crescent Church. So, yes, I attended Sunday school um, and, and church regularly. Um, but it was actually, so I, I did become a Christian when I was very young, so I was uh, nine years old. In fact, I um, was with my parents up country, uh, and we went out to a meeting uh, on a Sunday night. And I do remember the... Uh, I can remember sitting on that side of the preacher and I can still almost see him and he spoke very clearly explaining um, the good news about Jesus uh, and what it means to become a Christian. And um, I remember him saying, well, he explained well that, that we are all sinners um, and something of what that means and, and that we all need salvation, need um, to be um, made fit for God's heaven. Um, um, but also that Jesus uh, had come, that God had sent his son into the world to die uh, for our sin, to deal with the problem of our sin, uh, that he could accept us. So, um, 
so I took that on board. I remember that even at the age of nine, I, I remember I could understand what he said. I went home and I didn't tell anyone. I just, in my own room that night, on my own, I, I talked to God and, 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 and said, yes, I know I'm a sinner. Um, you know, I said something like that. Yes, I am a sinner. Um, uh, thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Uh, please um, um, come into my life as my savior. Uh, and, and so for that moment, I was, I'm convinced that I came to faith at that moment and that it was real. And also, I mean, it was a major transaction, a simple few words said, but it was profound. So at that moment, I was forgiven uh, for my sins, then those past sins, but also for sins throughout my life because, because of Jesus. It was just an amazing thing, but simple in a way. Absolutely, as a, a nine-year-old, very simple understanding. And how did that then play out in your, uh, you know, school life and, you know, later on? How, how, did, how did that change you? What happened? Yeah, well, I, I started to get involved. I mean, I continued to go to church in Sunday school, and I was baptized, actually, in, um, again, in Victoria Hall when I was 14. Um, but um, I changed schools around about that time, and um, the school, there was quite a lot of other Christians, there was a very strong scripture union or Christian union group at the school, and um, and uh, and that was very encouraging to me. Actually, the, the, even the teachers were remarkably encouraging people, and um, quite a few of us were invited to come and help at um, uh, at a, an outreach mission in a, a, a coffee bar, as it was called in those days, in in Hollywood. It was called the Key to Life Mission, uh, and I think the speaker was a chap called David Watson at that time. But I went along and helped out. I remember that helping out and talking, trying to share faith with people. But I, I, I can remember still whether I got a, dropped off or got the bus, but I can remember walking along Massey Avenue and thinking about what I said to the person. I'm not sure if that, what the person thought of what I said, but I was challenged by it. Could I, I quoted Jesus. I'd said, Jesus said, um, I've come that you might have life and have it in all of its fullness. Um, and I just was thinking about that, you know, I thought, well, so what about my life? So what does that look like in my life? Uh, uh, that, that was about 15 then. Um, and I suppose I thought, well, mostly I'm going to meetings. My life consists of, as a Christian, it's going to meetings, you know, plenty good meetings there were too, but in a sense, and I thought, well, is that what Jesus was talking about there? And, but it was, it was a challenge. So I remember that night deciding to pray. I want to talk to God about this. Uh, and um, I remember just on my room, in, in the room, in the dark, thinking about this, but thinking that, well, I am going to talk to the creator of the universe. And that's astounding. Uh, it was the first time I really thought properly about that and thought, well, and I found that I couldn't, I didn't know what to say when I realized that this is a serious, this is where I have audience with God. Um, I, I, I don't remember, I said a few words, but I, I just did not know what to say, but it was, it was real to me. And I don't mean there was a wonderful feeling or anything like that, I mean that I knew it was real, that this was God, that, that God heard me, and whatever I said, he would hear. Um, and that's an amazing thing to me, um, yeah. So it sounds like you had really wanted to go a little bit deeper than just a kind of cultural, you know, profession of faith or claim that you're forgiven, to actually, for yourself, understand what it means to have life and also to share that with, with other people. How did that sort of change for your university and, and a little bit beyond? What, what happened then in your life? Um, 
Well, it's funny how fickle we can be. We can sort of focus on that and, and sense that, and then we can sort of drift. It's so easy, I find, to drift, if you like. Um, but yet, in the middle of it, I realized then that God um, is real. He cares that, that his word is true and reliable, and that he cares about people uh, and individuals. So I, I did get involved in there's a thing called uh, Project Evangelism up the North Coast. Um, John Moxon, I think he used to run it, but that was a great encouragement to me to be involved in that. And, and I remember, yeah, at Easter, there used to be a, a group of motorcycle guys called, they were sort of known locally as the Hells Angels who would cycle in on their, you know, in their big motorbikes in black leather. And they usually would hoist the skull and crossbones on the town hall flagpole. So, and there was a lot of them would come into the town, but the team that I was part of put on stuff for them. We would put on a, a, you know, a, a breakfast porridge, we'd put on uh, a, a cafe, and they would come to that. And, and I, I remember once after they, they ran an open air meeting outside in, in the center of Port Rush, and then afterwards I, was, I just got talking, talking to this big guy who was two or three times the size of me which was maybe not saying a lot, but, but he was very, you know, he was a big guy. But, but it was like a conversation where I think, well, this is real. We're, we're having a conversation that's important. And, and he, I remember him, um, not, through, not through what I said, but he, 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 was, he was weeping, um, something about God speaking to him. But it, but it was also part of his weeping was because he had been hurt, actually, by, if you like, his encounter with with Christians, and it, and it sort of made me realize the importance of how we live, the importance of how we treat people, the importance of the whole of our lives, really. But again, I just thought the privilege of a small encounter, you know, of which I'm an insignificant part, just the privilege of witnessing someone, in a sense, who's um, having some sort of encounter with God and that. So I understand you studied uh, civil engineering that's that right, that's right. at university, and then you meeting all these sorts of people. But you met a very special person, did you, as well, at that time? <laughs> well, it was actually like a back from university. You, you're talking about my wife. Uh, you know. Wife, but we're on to that <laughs> yeah, bit now. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, that's right. It's funny because I, I knew Anne from Victoria Sunday School, but I didn't, I didn't really know. I knew at the distance. She was in the girls' group away over in the far corner. But when I came back, it was through a mutual friend and, 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 and Peter Crooks. There's a bunch of us used to get together, who I got to know Anne at that time. And um, she was gracious enough to marry me, in fact, which was amazing. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I had the privilege of being married to, to Anne Lennox for almost 24 years. Uh, when we got married, she, well, she, had, she had qualified as a doctor and uh, she went on to qualify as an anaesthetist. Um, but then, um, then she, uh, something we talked about before, but she, ha having qualified as a doctor, she chose to, chose to retire from being a doctor to become a homemaker and a mother, which was a huge sacrifice on her part. Um, but she was a brilliant partner in, in through the years in the different things that we did across uh, and the different parts of the world. And um, by way of her, Testimony. I remember she, she died of cancer, and, um, but she talked about, she was, when she was still able to, she talked about what she'd like at the funeral, and she just asked for two things. She said, I want someone to talk about the good news of Jesus and the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, which we sang this morning.
Yeah. A very special moment, I'm sure, this morning to remember Anne and all that you know she'd been, been to you yeah. for, for 24 years. Talking about this good news that both you and Anne shared and wanted to uh, let others know about, I understand that you then moved to a couple of places around the world. You were in Australia and Zimbabwe. Can you tell us a little bit about what you were doing there? Well, yes, it was actually, so I, as you said, studied civil engineering and then the, what was then the ODA, now the Department for International Development, they had a postgraduate training award scheme and that took me to Southampton to do a master's in irrigation engineering, then seconded to Australia. So as a family, we all went there, except Ben didn't go because he hadn't been born yet, but he was born in, he joined us, it was cheaper. It was, yeah, that's right, he was born in Australia which I remember confused the, the immigration when we were leaving, the, the passport, yeah. But um, yeah, so we were there uh, for that secondment uh, attached to the Royal Water Commission, and we got involved in a Baptist church there, um, which, we, which was great in many ways, and then after that, back to Northern Ireland for three years, uh, back to the Crescent at that time, and then again, the Department for International Development project of support to the University of Zimbabwe, so I went out as a senior lecturer in water engineering to the university there. And I'm sure with your experience in Northern Ireland and England, you'd have plenty of examples of how we can use water as there's so much of it <laughs> falling on top of us. Yes. How was Christianity maybe different in Zimbabwe compared to, you know, where you'd experienced it in the UK? <laughs> well, and that's a good question. Um, now, I was sort of, where I was was a bit of a subculture because I was living on the university campus and so it was a bit of a microcosm there, and there were um, my neighbours, most of them were other academics from different parts of the world, quite a lot of them, some from Africa, from Mali, and um, uh, I think from Ghana as well, um, and Uganda, but also others from um, uh, Eastern European countries uh, at that time. And it was at that time when I went there, there still was the Soviet Union, there's still the USSR, was there, and some from Czechoslovakia. So, but so that was very interesting. But um, I remember at one point thinking, well, yeah, it'd be really good to, why don't we try and do something by way of engaging with people? So, so um, I thought then, okay, well, I got some material to, as a focus for, 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 for discussion, and thought, okay, well, I, I don't know, I have no idea what these people think. So, Professor Planer from, from Czechoslovakia, Dr. Vokokova from also Czechoslovakia and uh, others from Poland. I had no idea what they would think. Um, so I, I just tentatively, you know, praying about it and said, well, yeah, I'm thinking of starting up a... And, and very quickly they said, yeah, that's interesting. I'd like to come. Yeah, I'll be there. Uh, and so she and her husband came. And, and, and so it was surprising to me that... So in a sense, what I did was small, simple, insignificant, not impressive. It was you know, past the salt sort of, you know what I mean, it, it was ordinary, but yet God, so those folks came together and met in, my, in, in our house and we discussed. And this was a discussion group about faith and science? Or yeah, things that's right, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And why were you nervous about whether it would get off the ground? What were you thinking? Yeah, well, I guess a lot of them were from Soviet, well, they were at that time atheist Soviet Marxist states, so I was expecting some of them would be fairly negative about the whole idea, but I was surprised to find remarkable openness. Uh, I remember talking to one lady, a doctor, 
from um, Bulgaria, actually. And, uh, you know, in my early conversation, so, yeah, so you wouldn't, I assume you would not believe in God. And she said, yes, we were taught to believe there's no God, but in my heart, I knew there must be. So, yeah, I remember that very well. And what did you learn from that experience? What did I learn? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, um, yeah, the, that God is God. God is at work in people's lives across the world far more than we know, you know, not only in far-flung places, but down the road here. Uh, very much God is at work in people's lives. Um, and uh, and in, a, in a sense, sometimes if we will just take a small step, um, we have the privilege of, in some way, engaging or saying something that God will take uh, and use much more than the little bit is worth. You know, I think like... Um, Andrew pointing out, you know, some, here's some bread and fish, but what is that among so many? There's no hope. That's no way that's going to help all of these people. And there's no way what the little things I've got to say, that's not enough. But yet God in his grace takes and works. So we're moving away from Zimbabwe now back to the United Kingdom in Sunderland. And at this stage, I think you had three primary school age children um, along with Anne. How was that transition back into the UK? Yeah, well, it was like coming from light to dark, in a way, just from the weather point of view. It was, it was uh, January in the northeast of England. It was ice in the, you know, from a sunny, you know, you go to the swimming pool in Zimbabwe, and now, now cold and dark. Um, but also there was felt there was a, something of a darkness. There was quite a lot of Christianity, I think. Um, I went to a very strong church in Harare, the capital city where we lived, but here, yeah, I went to, uh, 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 the church I went to, if you like, was different from my background, and they, there, there was quite different, uh, quite a cross-section of beliefs in that group, uh, which I found a bit difficult in a way. Um, and also, from the children's point of view, I think it was very difficult for them coming, coming back. There was a very different culture, you know, so, so in Zimbabwe, um, yeah, one thing, the children in Zimbabwe were, our children were allowed to be children. They could be children, they could play, climb trees, run about. Whereas coming back, especially um, my oldest daughter Catherine going to secondary school in Britain, um, it was actually a, um, a, a, um, a comprehensive Catholic girls' school there. And, um, but that was hard, you know, much harder than I realized at the time, actually. Um, she suddenly had to change from being playful and childish in that sense and just open to being streetwise and you know all of that was completely surrounding her and that's and 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 the others they were in primary school so that was not so difficult for them but um that was a, a culture shock i think and you also had a neighbor that you found was also a christian and they were experiencing something similar issues with their daughter well, as well you were able to help yeah um and it was interesting that that yeah a, a long story cut short, but yes, so through millennium, 2,000 years from what, people need to know more about this, so we, we ran, we started with the neighbor, an, an alpha course, we thought, well, what, what can we use to talk to neighbors, and so we, we started an alpha course um, in, uh, sometimes in my home, sometimes in another friend's home in the village, um, but again, I was, you know, nervously lifting the phone, shall I phone this person, yeah, I don't know what to say, well, I think it's crazy. Um, person I don't know very well, um, who's professional, lives next door, solicitor. Yeah, she says, yeah, I want to come, and I'm going to be committed to it. 
you know, there's completely surprising responses from people again. Uh, and, and yes, family situations, um, yeah, uh, 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 and as you say, it's good to be able to, if you like, compare notes and recognize difficulties. Uh, and sometimes we're able to, by God's grace, help and, and speak into situations which can be significant. And I know at this point when we were sort of preparing for tonight that you um, came to a realization about forgiveness. There were a couple of different things about what was needed um, in sort of the Christian life. Can you, can you share what that was? Yeah, yes. It, it is an interesting word, forgiveness. And so it's just massive, isn't it, that, that, that you know, it's, it's important. Sin is important such that God sent his son. It wasn't just something he could just sort of deal with easily. It required the Son of God, the, the, He through whom the worlds were made. He had to come and die to deal with our sin. So the forgiveness that He achieved is immense, isn't it? Fantastic. But yet, that was, yeah, it, it's like, well, is that the end? Is that it? Is that the end of the journey for us as Christians or the beginning? And I think it's, it's more like the beginning, isn't it? So it, it's the beginning, uh, the beginning of God then has needs to do so much, certainly in my life, right through. Uh, to to make us more Christ-like, to this process of sanctification, teaching us uh, and drawing forward. You know, thinking of it like, so it's, I often think that salvation or being rescued is like we're in a storm or we're, we're at sea drowning and um, and it's like a hand, the hand of God comes to rescue us in Jesus. It is like being pulled from a hopeless situation uh, and rescuing us. But, yeah, I'm not very good at analogies, really, but it's, but it's like, what are we being rescued into? Is it, is it a cruise ship? You know, is it sort of a, uh, or, or is it some sort of a, is a, a battleship or maybe it's a, an aircraft carrier? You know, it's, it, it's not meant to be bathing in the sun sort of situation. Um, but it is joy. It's certainly, there's joy in it and there's rejoicing in it and a fulfilled life, as we were saying earlier, but also God needs to work. You know, Murphy, there's a lot that's wrong with you. You need to be changed from your heart. And then God does that work um, by his grace. From the people that you've been speaking to, it almost sounds like you've been sort of plopped into a speedboat and, you know, flying all around and speaking to all sorts of different people, different backgrounds, whether they were a hell's angel or a professional colleague or, you know, literally somebody around the corner. So it sounds like you've got quite advanced pastoral and social care skills. Um, did this come easy to you, Robin? Well, no. I, I, I would disagree with that. I don't think that. I mean, um, yeah, I'm an engineer, so engineer usually, engineers usually speak in numbers, you know. So uh, it was a slow process to learn to communicate. Basically, writing was always difficult as an engineer. Um, numbers are so much more efficient in many ways. Um, but, um, yeah, by God's grace, I, I guess it's, yeah, I, I was just thinking about that difficult question. I was thinking about my mother, actually. My mother was a very caring, you know, so I was one of six boys, so I was number five. And um, I guess I had older brothers who cared for me, but also a mother who was very caring. Um, and, uh, and I guess that would have shaped me quite a bit in a, in a way. But it is something by God's grace. Sort of, it's like step by step in this situation, in that situation. You, you didn't do very well. Well, that was good. that was completely the wrong thing to say, or you know. So God, uh, in a sense, by His grace, helping and steering. When we pray, when we know we haven't got it, haven't got what it takes here, 
uh, and so we're sending that prayer. Help me here to talk to this person. You'd shared an example of one man you'd come across in England who apparently had either renounced his faith or was, you know, on the verge of doing so. And you described to me your helplessness, just thinking, I, I don't know what to say to this man. I, I don't know what I can offer him. How did that make you feel? Well, yes, I remember that occasion. It was when we were doing something in our local Toby Calvary Stroke pub place when, um, uh, apologies, <laughs> so you know the truth about me. But, but, so, um, but it, it was an opportunity to, to witness there. So we were, there were lots of people who had been invited in to um, explore truth and, and God. Um, but this chap, he was a friend of someone um, and he had been involved in evangelical circles. Uh, and sometimes I find people like that the most difficult to speak to. So he came with very specific criticisms um, and difficulties. But I remember thinking, I can <laughs> visualize that situation. I don't have what this man needs. Um, and it was true. I wasn't, I'm not just, that, that that's, was it. I don't have. But, but I prayed, ask God to help me to say something, some small thing to him. And I felt I, what I said was pretty feeble, really. But it was, it was actually his friend, who, who was a friend of mine, who later said, yeah, yeah, John was saying that was an important conversation, and he found that very helpful. But again, I think it was not because I'm skilled. No, I think it was God took this tiny um, piece of water and, and, and his heart turned the water into wine and, and did something said more to him than I was saying, if you know what I mean. Now, despite that episode, I mean, you do have so much to help and share, and, and I know that many of our uh, people here in the church who are new to Northern Ireland or studying uh, really value the time that you and others put into meeting up with them, uh, going out and visit. So I understand you were away yesterday for some days um, up in Mount Stewart, and working, I suppose, with people to understand their cultures, their views. You've set up a thinking aloud uh, class with others. What, what drives you to do this type of thing? Um, you know, why don't you just take it easy now? You've had a rich, full life. Just take it easy. Why do you do this? Well, it's, well, it's extremely enjoyable, actually. I so much enjoy conversations with people. It's such a privilege. I just love hearing people's stories. In fact, you know, when, when Robert... <laughs> asked me to do this, you know, I've, there's, there's lots of people here, I would far rather be hearing your stories than, uh, than listening to mine. But it is, to hear a story of, of someone's life, I just think it's such a privilege, this, hearing what this person is saying now, from the depth of their experiences and, 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 and their heart, maybe heart, just, yeah, it, it's such a privilege to, to, um, to hear people speaking honestly, truthfully, about what their experiences have been. Um, and it's a privilege in a way to be used, sometimes in some small way. And then, but it's enjoyable. I mean, it really is very rewarding, I must say. Yeah. And I suppose, finally, um, when you, know, you were sharing about some of your work, you'd been recently asked by somebody about both your age and whether you had any regrets. Now, I'm going to ask you one of those questions. So, uh, how old? No. Uh, so, what regrets, if any, do you have, or what would you change about about your life? If you were well, to live it again. <laughs> uh, well, I was, I was thinking about it. that's a difficult one. Do I have regrets? Unlike uh, your man, you know, um, 
who's the singer? What was his name again? The singer, um, no, no regrets. Yeah, I have regrets. Um, and um, by, I, I just looking back, I think, yeah, there's things I wish I hadn't said that, I hadn't done that. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's part of our lives. That doesn't mean it's okay. You know, sin is sin, and I, um, it's, uh, it's an awful thing to let go the Lord, our, our God. Um, I just want to quote the, the hymn, of course, which everyone will know, um, which, um, which is which just um, sort of this side can't be reached. Oh, I've got it. Okay. Yeah, they're prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, oh, take and seal it with thy spirit from above. It's an amazing thing that, isn't it, that we, we, we can have, we can be close to God and see God at work in people's lives and still prone to wonder that. Uh, and that's the, the, the battle of our lives, like the spiritual warfare. But I mean, in answer to your question, then looking back, you know that old, you know, by and by when I look on his face, I wish I'd given him more. But I wish I'd, when I was younger, known that this is true, that, that it, yes, I, not just a head knowledge, but this is true, the gospel is true, and it's magnificent for all people, for, for everyone. You know, that's the thing. I wish I not just sort of knew it, but had that same conviction. I mean, I remember reading a, a, an essay by, by C.S. Lewis and getting off the train at my home station, and I just, again, afresh, this is true. It's fantastic. The, the gospel is magnificent. Um, and uh, so I wish I had that and therefore could have communicated better instead of just having a conversation about Christian things, but rather, this is magnificent. Come and meet this God who is the Savior of the world. And I think it's interesting to, to end there that you know, he is the Savior of the world and that forgiveness is offered to, to everybody. And that's what we're going to hear. Um, David share um, uh, soon. Uh, I know there's so much that we could have talked about and we did talk about, uh, we've had to cut out. And so if you would, are interested in hearing more of Robin's story and would like to speak to him over you know, tonight or the coming weeks, please do come along. But I think, are there other ways in which people can contact you? Are there, is there things happening, events and that? What, what, what is happening? How can people get in contact with you? Um, well, no, well, there are English conversation class happening. That's the main thing I'm involved in on Wednesday mornings. So if anyone would like to learn uh, to speak English with a Belfast accent, um, uh, come along. And, uh, and also, I've had kindly some Chinese folks have been coming along to help me to improve my English because their grammar is always much better than mine. So, uh, so that's happening on Wednesday mornings. But otherwise, uh, no specific events. But, uh, yeah, I, I always enjoy talking to anyone who wants to come and have a chat about stuff. Very good. Well, thank you very much, Robin, and we'll pray for you and um, for your work and that openness and honesty that people have shown to you and you've shown to them about the Christian faith uh, before we sing our next hymn then. So let's pray. Thanks, Father God, we thank you for Robin's life. We thank you for the blessings he's had as a young person growing up in a household of faith. And we thank you, Father, for his desire to know you and the power of the Lord Jesus' life and resurrection in his experience. Thank you, Father, for how you've helped him through difficult times, through times of uncertainty, transition, and loss. And we pray, Father, that as Robin continues his work for you, as he continues his love for people and serving the church, that you would bless him 
and that you give him opportunities, Father, to share what's in his heart, even though he may not know all the answers, yet, Father, he can advance people's understanding and view of the Lord Jesus on through what he does. So please bless him, and as we pray for all of us, keep us safe in these times. Robin and I share quite a bit of life's journey. Like Robin, I sat in Victoria Memorial Hall Sunday school class. Like Robin, I was in the boys' class, and down in the left-hand corner with Robin's wife, Anne, was my wife, Audrey. And both of us married over 40 years ago. But what struck me listening to Robin was when Anne asked him at my funeral service, tell them the good news about Jesus. Tell them the good news about Jesus. Over the last four weeks, we have been looking at one word, and each word has been picked by the person speaking. We didn't assign them with the word. They selected the word. And what I want to do, literally in the 10 minutes or so that I have, is just go back step by step through each of those words. Tonight it was forgiven. The Bible says in Ephesians, just as God has forgiven you. Forgiven. In 1987, I was standing at the front door of the Crescent. And a man by the name of Willie Creeth came in. He said, have you heard the news? I said, no. He said, there's been a bomb at the Cenotaph in Linnaskillen. We were shocked. News began to filter in about the horrendous casualties. People began to hear more and more. But what moved this whole land, if not the world, were the words of Gordon Wilson. As he came onto television a night or two after that horrific event in which his daughter Mary was killed with 10 others. And publicly on national television, Gordon Wilson forgave forgave. And those very words when he expressed them spoke into a depth of people's hearts. Forgiven. But who can forgive? It's only the person who has been wronged can forgive. The person who has done the wrong cannot forgive. It's the person who took that pain and that anguish, all of that wrong is the only person who can reach out and forgive, just like Gordon Wilson did. It couldn't have been anybody else on his behalf. It had to be him. And here's the amazing thing. God, the creatorial God, the God who made you and me, the God who is the Holy One, the God who loves each and every one of us. And while we have 
sinned, and you may have heard that word used over the last number of weeks. And what we mean by the word sinned is basically we have rejected God and his ways, and we've gone our own way, and we have done things which are contrary to what he should do. And each and, and we'd want us to do, and each and every one of us, every one of us, have sinned. And if you want, all of us at some time or other have looked at God and said, I don't want you in my life. I have rejected you. And God is the one who is the right to forgive. Not us. And here is the reality of the good news that God forgives you. God forgives you. We who are created beings, we who are insignificant, looking into the face of the Almighty God, have been forgiven. Why? Well, the answer is in that little word, forgiven. It's forgive, give. Because the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You see, God is a God who is holy. God is a one who cannot tolerate sin. We have shook our fist to God. We have rejected him. He cannot accept us into our, his presence and yet God is a God of love and mercy. And as Shia told us last week, God is a God of grace. Grace. David Wilson told us that was that which we didn't deserve. God gave. Think about it. That which we didn't deserve, God gave. What did he give? An angelic being? A religious ritual? Some cleansing process? No. Because none of those would satisfy the demands of a holy, eternal God who could not tolerate sin. Sin had to be dealt with. And God, in his grace, in his abundant grace, can you imagine it? The God who made you loved you so much. He demonstrated his grace to you in such a real way that God gave his son. That's who Jesus Christ is. He's the son of God. And Jesus Christ came into this world. We thought about him at Christmas time and then we sometimes forget about him. But he came and he lived here for 33 years. And they took him and they nailed him to a cross. And he said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. He died so that the relationship between you and God, and me and God could be restored, so that the law could be fulfilled. 
It was all complete. God poured out everything he had in the person of his son who died on a cross for you and me so that we could be saved. Saved. Right back to that time whenever Laura talked to us. Whenever she came into that point where she realized that the God of the universe, the creatorial God, the one loved her so much that he gave his only begotten son, she came to him and she placed her trust in him. And she was saved. And as a result of her being saved, and what Harry had to tell us as well, she was transformed. Transformed. Brought out of darkness into light, in Harry's case, rescued and brought onto solid ground, his life changed, everything transformed. That is the good news that Robin's wife, Anne, wanted you to hear. God loves you. God gave his son for you. God forgave you. God wants you to come in simple faith, confess your sin, and say to him, I am a sinner. And your life will be transformed. Meaning, purpose, and a restoration of a relationship with the living God. It's not a set of rules and regulations. It's not coming to church or working your own way. It's not doing the best you possibly can. It's a free gift of God and you can be forgiven. Many years ago, I was speaking in a hall just down the road from here. I got up to speak and I looked down in the audience and my uncle, who wasn't a Christian, was sitting in the back room. I spoke on John 3.16 and as I did, I used the illustration for being saved. And the illustration I used that night was that if you've got a rope bridge, like Karakarit Rope Bridge, it's over there to the island. How do you get to the island? You place your trust on that bridge. Now, you can stand beside the bridge, and it's got all the instructions written there, the safety instructions, the rules, the height, everything else. It's all written there. You can read it all and say, well, that's very interesting, but you're still on the, the mainland. You could even make a song about Karakuri. You're still on the, on the mainland. You've got to go down those steps, and I've never done it, by the way. I never will. You stand on that bridge, and you place your weight on that bridge, and you walk across to the island. You trust it. You have faith in it. My Uncle Kenneth sat at the back and listened. He was dying of cancer. He had weeks to live. And he told me just before he died that the night that I was speaking, 
he got into the house and sat on the bottom stair because he hadn't the strength to go up. And he said, God, I'm reaching out. I'm trusting. I'm stepping onto the bridge. He was using the imagery that I had used. And when he died, that night he went to heaven for all eternity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What is everlasting life? Eternal life. Abundant life. That is the good news. Forgiven by the grace of God, he saved me, transformed me, and today I stand here proclaiming to you the truth of this message. There's a challenge. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do about it? Four interesting stories? Yeah. Four unusual stories? Possibly. But what you have heard tonight would change your life for all eternity. And as you walk out that door tonight, you have a decision to make. Is what you have heard from the four people who spoke and the four people who gave their testimony and what the Word of God says, is it the truth? If it's the truth, you can't reject it. Like my Uncle Kenneth did, you have to step out and walk in faith. Do that tonight. Young, old, male, female, from this country, from further afield, I don't know. But I can tell you this. God brings good news. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this good news, the transforming power of the gospel. And Father, even as we sit here this evening, we would pray that your Holy Spirit may speak into the lives of some individual and bring them to that point of placing their trust in you, that they may realize the almighty grace of God which allows their sins to be forgiven. They're saved and can be transformed. We ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Maybe you've heard something tonight and you want more. We're going to be running classes in February here in the church. If you want to hear more about that, please go online or even phone the office or send an email, declare your interest. There'll be no pressure on you. We'll just take you through what I have said in the last 10 minutes.
very, very quickly. We'll take you through it and explain to you the meaning of the gospel. Please do that. Please respond. So just contact the church office, say you'd like to enroll in the course. Go on the website, there'll be more information there in a week or two's time, and we'll follow it up with you. If you want to speak to somebody tonight, please do so before you leave the building tonight.